It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. I'm walking deep in a sunset woodland. It's early September. And we've had rain after months of dryness, after months of heat. There's a cool balm through the woodland. and the Birds have come out, the robins and wrens are singing, as you can hear. It's full of life. Hornets, blackberries. Definitely a sense of the end of the year. Well, hello, and welcome to the podcast. The Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. And my name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. And this is our final episode of our 13th season of podcasts, which we've called A Taste of the Countryside. And we've been meeting farmers, food producers, food writers, conservationists and others to talk about the provenance of our food, how important it is to grow it sustainably and in harmony with nature. And this particular episode is very pertinent in that regard. Back in June, I visited the Warners Distillery in the Northamptonshire countryside. And in last week's episode, you'll have heard me talk with Tom, the boss, about his vision for the company and how it all came about. And the whole idea of working so closely with nature and how they infuse their spirits with the very, very flavours of the countryside. Really fascinating. This week I'm out and about in the orchards and gardens of the farm there with Conservation Sustainability Officer Johnny Easter and we sort of explored where all the crucial aromatics and ingredients are grown but what was most amazing was just the profusion of butterflies and bees and hoverflies and other wildlife and the, the wonderful bird life too so it was a really magical experience and a sort of insight into how a farm can be tr- so transformed. Later, after that, I'm joined by the podcast team in the studio and we get to taste a bottle, an old bottle of homemade wine crafted by my fair hand. Does it compare with a shop-bought red? Well, listen on to find out. And so we've got wonderful old barn here and swallows just, well, they're everywhere. They're on top of the house, they're perched, they're, they're zipping in and out to their nests. And do you think there's more this year than, than last? Uh, absolutely, yeah, they're, they're increasing in um, the number of nests um, within the rafters and sort of going uh, up the farm, up the track oh, well, let's, in, let's in let's these barns. Because yeah, they want to go in. You can see there's at least 10, 15 in the air around us. You can hear them sort of chattering. Yeah, the fl- fledglings have just, uh, the first oh, round out, of fledglings they? Oh, are, are just out now. So, uh, so they have a couple of broods? They will, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they'll have um, uh, two, if not three, on a really good, oh, good, year. good um, year. Well, if they've got lots of insects to eat, presumably. Yeah, and ho- hopefully the way that we're managing the farm supports the invertebrate population that um, yeah. in turn supports the, the, the swallows and their, and their brood success. So... So your job here is is exactly that, isn't it? It's maintain. It's it's your kind of the inter- the interface between the business and nature and. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, my focus is on you know building the future more sustainably and um, with with recognizing what sort of 
natural capital we have here at the farm and the idea is just to to you know recognize the the value of of what we've got because it's lovely coming to the farm and seeing the swallows but you know unless we recognize and value it you know yeah. it, things can be done that, that can be lost so it's Convert about the barns into holiday cottages exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we need to understand and value what we've got and that's the, the first step and you'll see that actually feature on the the bottle of the gin as do the red kites because it's one of the the great things about coming to the farm is we have this amazing wildlife so let's let's recognize it record it and and safeguard it this is really exciting i'm just going to describe what we we've just come into a sort of area cordoned off with are these hazel hurdles? Uh, yeah, hazel hurdles, that's right. And yeah. then they've got behind just lovely billowing hedgerows. Not, not closely mown hedgerows, they're quite attractively... And you wouldn't believe that this hedgerow here is only uh, two years old. Oh, really? Um, these, these hedgerows actually featured in the Chelsea Flower Show in 2019 um, as part of the Main Avenue Show Garden. Um, oh, and we okay. brought, brought a lot of the, uh, the, the, the plants back to the farm. Um, we've got Botanical Garden 1, which we had an artisan garden in 2018. Oh, is that the little one outside the bar? That's yeah. right, yeah. So it's about taking Falls Farm to Chelsea, but we brought Chelsea back to the farm. So these, this hedgerow um, w- featured in Chelsea Flower Show in 2019. I can see the elderflower in there. What else yeah. have we got? Is it just a whole mix of native species? Yeah, um, very, very... F- uh, field maple, um, ha- hazel, uh, elder, um, hawthorn, blackthorn. Um, yeah, and the idea is to... Um, this, 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 there was no hedgerow here, so we're extending the hedgerows at the farm and putting back um, where, where hedgerows have been. Um, oh, that's and, interesting. So yeah. actually, so the traditional farm where... You know, so many farms I see the hedgerows are thinned out and replaced with barbed wire and then that just promotes even more thinning out and yeah so you're putting hedgerows back in that's right and uh, I mean hedgerows are important anyway with the management of um uh, of, for a livestock farm because obviously it's stock proofing um but there are certainly areas that 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 um that haven't been managed effectively so that the that management of those hedgerows is important to maintain that habitat so yeah it, it's important but obviously we, we we forage from those hedgerows as well you know yeah. it's it's the blackthorn in the hedgerows that gives us our slows for the slow gin so do, are all your slows foraged then uh yeah, majority yeah we have oh, a, a, a yeah. slow swap each year where we invite the good people of Northamptonshire to come to the farm and slops, swap slows for gin and uh, <laughs> that's a great thing I don't I, I wish I'd known about that yeah I drive all the way from our big event <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we we have a few people coming from from a fair distance but uh, it tends to be yeah. the the most local guys uh, who, yeah, who, yeah. who we open up for a day it's usually at the end of September beginning of October that's genius um, get some product in and, and give, give off but it's also about connecting consumers to the outdoor space you know yeah. step outside and see 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 what what bounty is out there and hedgerows have got some amazing forage in there. Um, so we've just finished our elderflower harvest last week, um, which is forage from our farms, and we, we swap um, gin for barter, for foraging rights. So, on. Pe- people will cut, so you, you've also got an elderflower orchard here. That's that right? right. But, but you've, you've, you'll take in forage, you'll yeah. go and forage on other farms. That's but, right, yeah. So giving it a value to other farmers yeah, or, so, or landowners yeah, or whoever. That's right, yeah. The, the elderflower is typically seen as a weed, and you know the concept of Ben, um, Tom's dad, when we wanted to plant loads of elderflower in his fields which he's been ripping out of his hedgerows for years yeah. uh, it was an alien concept so um and um wait yeah. till he finds out about the dandelion <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so it's it's yeah looking at looking at what the bounty has but you know it's it's the bees from the hives that are pollinating those blackthorn yeah. um to the, to, that gives us the slow it's the nectar that goes back into the hives for the honeybee gin and it's kind of recognizing the value of those hedgerows for those internationally protected farm and bird yeah. species here i at think the farm. that's an really Really interesting because you're getting a solid financial benefit from allowing nature to breathe a bit and to pr- pr- produce honey absolutely flavorings and it's also it's not even that not just that it's there's a, a bigger picture in in terms of the role that hedgerows play for you know cleaning groundwater and cleaning water that we ultimately extract for spring water it's the, they, the so, how, so they're just the roots of these plants take out impurities. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and 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 they stop drift of you know neighbouring farms using pesticides. So, uh, um, okay. yeah, so Do they retain topsoil. I've heard something about topsoil. Hedgerows are quite good at stopping sort of. Yeah, well, they, they accumulate the organic material at the base mm. of the hedgerow, and um, yeah, they the the role that the um, the roots play in terms of um, 
Yeah. Gosh, it's so frustrating, this wonderful thing that is just <laughs> thrown away or cut and cut so brutally. Yeah, you're maintaining hedgerows in good conditions is important for, for connectivity of, of, of wildlife as, mm. as corridors, um, uh, but also for carbon sequestration as well. They have a really you know, big role to play in, in locking in carbon. So, yeah, hedgerows that we, we see as, as a, as a yeah, fair game for, for, for foraging botanicals, actually, we need to connect to the real value of that which is for, for natural capital too it's just this really hopeful message it's almost like we, there's a sort of manifesto for hedges that it's not just this because i quite often come up against a body of opinion that says this is a luxury we can't afford nature greening is a luxury we can't afford we're hearing it quite a bit from governmental bodies that actually we're in a time of financial crisis we can't afford these things but actually what you're saying is that they're much more that they are providing that sustainability, that, that economic certainty. They, they are, they, and, and it's only when we lose them and have to put things right um, that the economic cost of putting things right and doing it artificially, yeah. you know, if we just looked after it in the first place, then, yeah. um, then we wouldn't have to cross Classic those. false eco economics. Wow, yeah. absolutely. So, so yeah. on the hopeful, well, so we're inside this hurdle. Did you make these hurdles? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't. No, I no, wish no, I did, no, but no. no. But <laughs> so we're in, we're in a garden, but it's a beautiful garden of um, long strips of these different herbs and... Um, just lovely plants. So we've got lemon thyme here flowering, covered in bees, I and mean, literally covered in small flying insects. Mostly bees, but it's probably hoverflies and things. Yeah, we've there. got solitary bees, bumblebees, hoverflies, uh, lots of small tortoiseshell butterflies on here at the moment, uh, moths. Um, so yeah, the, the, the lemon thyme in particular has a massive yield uh, of nectar. So beautiful not flower. It's lovely, sort of delicate pink spikes of flowers. Absolutely, and, and actually, it's managing that that flowering period of of when do we cut, when do we harvest, and actually, well, if we let it flower, then it has a value for nature, um, and also we can we can then harvest you know, after the flowering or or allow some period some sections to flower and and manage that rotation to in order to yeah, it's about people and wildlife. It's about people and flavour. It's about wildlife giving space for nature to, mm. to thrive. Oh, what a wonderful, this is a heavenly place. We've got, is this, um, gosh, what's this? Uh, this is blackcurrant sage. So this, uh, is, oh, okay, yeah. this, is, this is in our non-alcoholic, uh, our 0% pink berry. Oh, um, do you, yeah, feel free to touch and sniff. But oh, my goodness. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, you get the real blackcurrant notes yeah. from there. And so, it's, but very sagey as well. That's the kind of... It's the herbaceous, fruity notes from, oh, from, from homegrown botanicals. So Can you just... Is that easy to get hold? That's a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and I bet that flowers beautifully as well. It does. Yeah, and nice sort of bright pinky purple yeah. flowers. Um, wow, so I've not smelled anything like that. That's just <laughs> incredible. That's great. So, uh, what did you call it? Black current. Black current sage. Black yeah. Sage. So um, buy it now. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the, the best one. Uh, I, I think uh, for homegrown flavour is we we were looking at citrus. Um, uh, notes and and you know should we be buying in virgin um, uh, lemon peels from Egypt shipping them halfway across the world or can actually we do something with flavour here from the farm so um, we sort of came across our kind of holy trinity of of, of uh, lemon notes which is the backbone of our le lemon uh, balm gin. So you're not using lemon lemon balm lemon thyme. Uh, so lemon balm lemon thyme lemon verbena. We do use a bit of um, le lemon peel as well, but we've chosen to source that from prepared fr fruit factories. So, ah, so yeah. it's a waste, discarded peels basically. How brilliant! So but check out the lemon verbena. This lemon is verbena, my favourite. Okay. Um, so you'll get this intense. Oh. Lemon oh, sherbet. Gosh, two weeks ago I had sinusitis, so I wouldn't be able to smell anything. So I'm so <laughs> glad that's that's yeah, lemon sherbet, really acidic y kind of delicious. Yeah, it's oh and um, say so balancing the, the This the is heavenly herbaceous notes mm. of the of the, the herbs with the with, Quite, with the citrus notes. That's yeah. kind of the ultimate uh, in terms of homegrown flavour. So you get all your lemon from well, okay, a bit of lemon peel from the factory, but most of it is coming from these, um, these yeah, we, and uh, so our I'll London lavender, bed here. lavender is really important for our London dry gin. So um, our signature botanicals with our London dry is um, is lavender, lemon verbena, and angelica root. 
Um, My hands are just getting a multi-dimensional smell. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Lambda imports a really imparts a really nice floral note to the mm. gin. Um, but oh. um, Rachel, who you meet later, has done a lot of work with um, Nottingham University, looking at the the, the science behind the, mm. the flavour and the gas spec. Um, it's called gas chromatography, where it splits gas out the different different compounds and we've looked at uh, supplier bought versus homegrown and uh, all I can kin it to is like you know when you grow your own tomatoes at home and it's yeah. just quite different to what you buy from the supermarket and it's using that philosophy here at the farm it's just like lemon balm isn't correct it? yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I've got lots of this in the garden it grows like crazy it's <laughs> A sort of more basic lemon smell, very nice, but yeah, not like the verbena. Uh, lemon balm makes an awesome cocktail called a lemon balm smash. It's, to, it's so a, just give me the recipe. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's lemon balm gin and la, um, lemon juice, and you um, you basically um, like crush down the, uh, the the lemon balm and you riddle it in with the uh, with the lemon juice and, and and the lemon balm gin, and it just makes this incredible cocktail. Oh, okay, I can find that. lemon smash. I get the I get the recipe for you. Okay, good, good. We'll put it on our website. <laughs> <laughs> a special treat. But so again, you've got a lot of lemon balm here. It's a whole strip of it, and these strips are what thirty meters long. Yeah. So, and um, this is botanical garden too. So we got two, we got three gardens. This is um, a microcosm of what we've got down at the bottom. Which yeah. each of those beds is two meters wide by fifty meters long. This is uh, a, a smaller uh, example of it. But um, yeah, they are. Uh, this uh, you, we don't surprisingly need a huge volume to impart the flavour that's required. Yeah. So um, we've actually overplanted quite uh, quite a lot, particularly with lemon balm, and it it is a thug. So if you are growing it, keep it in a pot in the ground. Yes, I've noticed how it just takes over um, beds and things like that. But it's um, so there's butterflies flying around you everywhere, and there's a whole load of them over there on the on the another patch of lavender. Yeah. So uh, your lavender is just coming out into flower. Yeah. So where the, the pollinators are taking advantage of it and um there's bees all over these flowers yeah so really that's that's a tree bumblebee that's a really interesting uh, species oh, right. so they're new to the uk so they've been migrating normal this is a climate change exactly issue. yeah so they're kind of interesting they've got like a little fox fur around the shoulders then a black upper abdomen and then white White bum, white bum, and yeah. they're, they're interesting because they yeah, um, they tend to nest at at, um, yeah. uh, at height, whereas our, our native bumblebees tend to be ground nesting. Yeah. Um, tree bumblebees, as, as the name implies, they they're, they're more cavity nesting, and, and uh, they're doing quite well then in Britain. Now. They're doing really well, yeah. So not all be, not all bee species are in decline. Uh, some of them are doing quite well, as, and the, the, those that are adaptable to change. Yeah. Do you, can you recognise most bees then? I mean, if you look at that one, <laughs> that looks like a buff tail. Buff tail, okay. Buff tail bumblebee. So you've got, this is one of your hives here. I always stepped into it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's it's we're in the middle of swarm season at the moment. Okay, so so uh, should, there's so, a couple of skeps as well, which are the um, straw. Uh, kind of woven straw, that, traditional. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we use the uh, skeps for swarm swarm collecting now. Oh, uh, this is a sw- this actually I made um, a couple of years ago and I featured it. You, you made this one, did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I made both those skeps. And, oh um, gosh, they're beautiful things. Uh, they're, 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 Woven with just normal straw, uh, long stem wheat straw. So yeah, typically, what thatchers will 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 yeah. use, um, and then um, it's, it's um, suddenly traditionally uh, you would sew it together with with um, uh, bramble cordage. Um, or yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. we use lapping cane now. So okay. uh, um, if you have a look under this hive, yeah, there's they a big don't, bulge. <laughs> <laughs> not the bees don't always read the books. Um, so this was a, a, a swarm uh, that was collected last week. Um, and uh, the queen has got through the queen excluder and they've just taken up residence underneath the hive not inside the uh, hive that's annoying for you so that's a uh, job later today so uh, what will you do so sort of try and collect them off there and yeah so i'll use the skep again i'll knock them into the skep and put them back in and i'll uh, full bee suit on uh, full, your full, uh, full sort of yeah protective suit yeah you knock that off into the skep that's then... right it's a numbers game so as long as the queen's in there they will follow the queen oh, okay and, so uh, you don't have to get every single one <laughs> no they will follow follow the queen i, I wanted Good. to show you this one in particular yeah. which is our angelica okay so this um, is great this is, is this an umbellifer would you call that an umbellifer uh, or is uh, it not of that family it's um pass um <laughs> it's great uh, big sort of rounded heads a bit like alliums but not of that definitely not of that family but um yeah so um no i would say i, I say yes it is because the the um 
the native variety is Angelica sylvestris, which is native to the UK and typically likes uh, riverbanks and um, uh, base okay. of hedgerow habitats and ditches. Um, this, this variety is Angelica archangelica, um, which is typically used in the perfume and, um, oh, and food okay. industries. So this uh, is the seed heads? This is the seed heads. Um, and these are the flowers. Um, right, so these have a smell, do they? So, well, uh, they, are, they are fantastic for pollinators. And mm. um, uh, the number of bees that you'll see feeding in, in uh, oh, invertebrates, not just bees, uh, feeding within Angelica is amazing um, because of the, the volume of nectar that it yields. So, Typically, they grow to 1.8 metres. Okay. And, um, yeah, this is... This is Sort of biggie. <laughs> this is at the top end, um, yeah. but I, but it's actually the root of this plant that we will use for distillation. Oh, so okay. Angelica root. There's like a holy trinity of gin botanicals. Like it's uh, juniper, coriander, and Angelica root as the holy trinity. You, you crush those three together. Uh, that's the smell that's of your gin. Basic gin. Okay. And then from there you can really craft with flavour and paint your your. Um, your, oh gosh! So, your so this will get dug up with us at some stage. Uh, yes, yeah. So these have been left for for seed. Obviously, um, we need the bees to pollinate the flower to create the seed for the next generation. So we'll harvest these seeds and take them to the greenhouse, and we'll be um, growing these um, for next year's crop. Oh gosh! So have you got an angelica sort of bed somewhere? Then? Yeah, we're yeah. down in botanical garden three, so yeah. we can go and take oh, a look brilliant. at that. Okay. Can yeah. Look, what do they, you've got lots of traditional red poppies here which is quite nice to see yeah poppy poppy um it's just covered in beetles <laughs> uh, like the, the, just the abundance of of life here is incredible it's special and i think that's why we want to recognize it because we you, you want to protect what you love don't you yeah yeah well um, it's just i think for listeners when you do come to somewhere where there is life everywhere you sort of realize the joy that brings you, first of all, it's just a lovely thing to be surrounded by butterflies and bees, but also it's quite rare. <laughs> you, do, you know, the, the walk I took earlier, uh, so weird. there were just very few flowers, didn't see very many um, invertebrates walking just in the wider countryside here. So it's got in these pockets like this. It's, it's the, it shows the role that gardens can play as well, and um, and you know planting for pollinators, you can make you know little sanctuaries for for, for invertebrates, and that has a, a knock-on effect for for the birds that feed on those inver invertebrates. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, and that's why garden spaces are a part of the solution, and that's why we're looking to pub gardens. Um, one of the challenges I think is that we have to be able to prove everything all the time mm. um, in order to make a change. Well, actually, it doesn't take rocket science to know that when you're changing from a monoculture of grass to a market garden style of growing, uh, the, the, the value from a, a nectar yield, a pollen yield, uh, and the impact that that has is good. Um, yeah. And yes, we're looking to quantify that. And But you know, there is a journey around, you know, um, calculating the value of, of natural capital within the farm as, and, you know, the role of business within in, in, in recognising that capital. Natural capital is one of those phrases that some people might go, I don't understand what that means. Yeah. Going, how would you sort of define that as a kind of... So it's about recognising that, um, that, that features within the countryside have a value, whether it's hedgerows, whether it's grassland. Um, it has a role... An economic An economic yeah, like you were talking about the hedgerows having the sort of benefits for soil carbon biodiversity you know, something for you to use in in the business here it's, yeah it's, it's, it can be measured it's being able to put a value a monetary value which is actually much easier for people to understand when you put things in an economic yeah. sense that these things have a value and it's a new um a movement to 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 align on what the value of these assets are within mm. within our countryside and there, there are purists out there who be going Oh, but we can't put money value on these things which have a sort of spiritual side. But I, I think, well, I mean, you know, unless we put a monetary value, yeah. as you say, people won't be able to understand it. And not everybody has that sort of immediate, oh, look, there's a tortoiseshell butterfly sort of thing. So. Yeah, I think th that's right. It's for those that maybe don't, un don't, don't connect with that intrinsic value. Mm. Actually, they might be able to connect with a monetary value. Yeah. Um, and um, everything yes. becomes more beautiful when it's <laughs> yeah. sort of possible. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a communication tool as much yeah, as anything. Yeah. yeah. 
Great. So this is all these. I mean, we've got borage here. We've got I don't know what that's. Calendula. So this is actually um, a a flavour wheel. So each of these segments have a particular flavour profile. So whether it's um, that's interesting. It's very pretty. Actually, quite a nice way to do a corner of a garden. uh, Create sort of spokes. These are these are sort of little raised beds, which are almost like wedges in a dartboard going around a centre central plant. But so each one has a different flavour profile. Yeah, and you see it in, um, when you talk about fla- flavour profiles, um, each each section of this wheel, it's, it's actually a model, and it's quite common in the coffee industry, I've seen it, um, looking at describing different flavour profiles. Uh, we have it in the in the gin sector, around describing the, 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 the flavour profiles you experience within the gin, whether it's citrus, floral, floral spicy, rooty, earthy. Um, they all have different flavour profiles, and this is... This is our lab, basically. So when we want to trial new flavours, um, then we will we will plant them up in in, in the right flavour profile. And when the guys in the lab want to come and uh, try and um, create a new recipe, then they'll come down here and, um, and sample your sample, sample your flavour. So it's that that link between horticulture and 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 craft distilling. Oh, so lot of... and yeah, we're in that that really awkward stage where it's 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 um, not big enough for mechanization um but it's big enough to be a lot of hard work yeah 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 so yeah, um yeah. we rely on on um on support labor, yeah. Uh, yeah hello hi you're daniela <laughs> hi, I am, yeah. hi i'm fergus um and you're looking after these beds here yeah doing a bit of weeding at the minute yeah. um i planted some flowers yeah, just keep on top of it, really. You've just started, is that right? Yeah, yeah a few yeah. weeks. How's it going? Great, How's I love it. it. Yeah, I've got really bad hay fever and I'm still sticking at it. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, working in a flower garden yeah. with hay fever. It's is great. A, a tough one. But in, in, in weather like this, it's not, not yeah. a bad job. <laughs> no, not Did you work inside before or were you, uh, um, have you always been a... No, I've had a bit of a weird route. I was an... I'm an animator, stop motion animator, so I've gone from being in like a dark room with the windows covered to being outside all day. Okay, is this a permanent move do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you've got away from animation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. What an enviable place to be on a day like this. (laughs) Yeah. It is they, very you, lucky. You've just come back from the greenhouse, so it's probably not an yeah, enviable place to be on a hot day. I was in the greenhouse the other day and it was, I don't even know how hot it was because it was past, it was at the top of the thermometer, so I don't know whether it was So some hardships working with beautiful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful aromatic plants yeah. uh, in this lovely part of the countryside. No, but it's lovely. Oh, well, Thanks. sounds like no, it's, it's a lot great. of hard work. Really. <laughs> it smells good as well. Oh gosh, I've just been completely, it's, it's really it's kind of very relaxing being surrounded by these beautiful smells. I find it quite sort of, you ought to pump it into our offices or something like that. Because <laughs> yeah. we're lacking something there. I mean, we're just passing the lemon, uh, uh, the lemon thyme bed again, and it's covered in small tortoiseshell butterflies. And this is, this is the common butterfly of my childhood. And I know lots of people go, oh, it was all much better in, when I was young. But this is, this is the same numbers. This is just fantastic to see. They're, they're everywhere. We just had a small, uh, a meadow brown just over Oh yeah, here. yeah, yeah. That's and, a classic um, sort of summer butterfly, isn't it? A, and a, a and small skipper as well. Just um, oh gosh, just you're good on your your insects. Yeah, they, the meadow browns get chased off by the um, by the tortoise shells. They're just sort of aerial battles and dog fights. Wonderful. You could just sit by here, pull up a nice chair. Uh, there must be. Oh, there's just everywhere is moving with bees. Um, Plant lemon, lemon thyme. That's, yeah. that's a, that and black currant um, uh, sage is are the two things I'm going to go home and plant. <laughs> yeah, like hover, hoverflies. Hoverflies. Yeah. Oh, the beautiful, delicate little hoverflies. There's little segmented, pattern stripy bodies and just these fantastic butterflies They're around my feet here. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. Well, what a place to come out. If you're ever feeling stressed, just come out here for 10 minutes. And, uh... <laughs> so, Johnny, you've taken me just over the road, really, into a, a large field. Um, this is a very curious-looking field with... Lots of lumps and bumps. Lots and of lumps and bumps. <laughs> I love lumps and bumps in the <laughs> yeah. landscape. Uh, they're always sort of stories to tell. So. Yeah, so these earthworks are historical features. So um, here uh, stood a medieval manor house, um, and at the time it was... Um, occupied by the Knights Hospitaller who were um, farming fish 
um, growing medicinal herbs. And so the knights, the, 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 the hospital of knights were here on this site. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah so just, I mean, it's like a terrace of banks coming down, but these were fish ponds, were they? Uh, no, fish ponds are over the other side. Oh, we can okay. go and have a oh, quick look okay. at those. So what, where we're standing right now, uh, this is exactly where the manor house stood. Oh, right. Um, and you can see this square feature here. This is a sunken garden. Uh, um, yeah, okay. And you can just see the circular uh, depression there where a central Oh, it's fountain. quite a big square... So a, a central fountain or something? Uh, yeah, there was a pond here and a, yeah. a fountain feature base. Oh, um, that's amazing. On here, and then if we look over, over the edge here... So that's 13th century. I did see a sign in the village that said 13th century, 1250s or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, this is a, the terraces are a lot later, actually. That's yeah. 17th century Rena oh, okay. Renaissance garden. So that was uh, uh, Italian-inspired uh, for the Stamhopes who were, in, who were occupying the, the manor house in the 17th century. Oh, so now we're overlooking. We're quite high up over a field, and these are the fish ponds. Correct. Oh my goodness. They're quite extensive. In fact, the most ex amazing. extensive feature of this type in the east of England. So we, and, uh, and these ponds would have um, been, been I mean, used for raising carp. You and can quite easily see the, 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 how the landscape would have been. And, and carp, main, uh, that would be the main fish. Of they, that time, yeah. yeah. And on the other side here, you can, uh, there are sort of remnants of that ridge and furrow um, example it's of growing med medieval, medieval landscape. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just below in the field, we've got the river ice that runs below uh, the, the, the falls here. Um, you can see the, the, the river meandering through the bottom yeah, of the valley here. And that ice. Uh, ice, I-S-E. Um, oh, okay. And that leads into, uh, it's part of the Neen catchment. Okay, Neen is the big river of Northamptonshire, isn't it? Correct. Also, yeah. yeah. We'll, um, we'll take a Great. drive okay. down. Great, well, it's really interesting. So the, the, the Knights Hospital, they had their own gardens, did they? Is that right? The... Uh, yeah, so they would have been growing medicinal herbs um, for, for, you know, for, for care purposes, and yeah. um, that would have been happening right here in, in this, That's really this sunken garden here. You're tempted to take over this sun, sunken uh, garden and, uh, and, yeah. and restore it to Rest it. Uh, historical restoration. Something to look, I'd love to have someone like Time Team come and, uh, and look at the features here, but it has been preserved uh, incredibly well because it's only, only um, grazed and nothing else has happened. So it is it's not been heavily ploughed then? Or... No, 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 nothing, um, nothing's allowed. Has there been a dig here? Presumably there's been some. Uh, no, no. Oh, um, even the county archaeologist needs, I think, a licence to, 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 to look at the site. So it's very well protected under. Um, and I quite like the synergy with uh, your modern botanical planting and obviously the, the hospital is in the... 700, 800 years ago. Yeah, so same thing. a lot of the, uh, the culinary herbs that we use today uh, have their, their, their roots in, in medicine. That, that those guys sort of originated you know, or, or brought back from, brought back from, from the, the continent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great, great story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got some, got some buzzers. So Johnny's brought me down to this field at the bottom of the valley. Uh, you call this one... Uh, imaginatively Botanical Garden 3. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some work, <laughs> um, do some work on your naming conventions yeah. <laughs> here. <laughs> but this is the shop floor of, um, or the factory floor of, of growing for the volume that we need in forecast. This is a huge area, and this is acres here. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, like what we saw earlier in that sort of cottage garden, but absolutely on a big scale. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. We've got buzzards above us, um, mewing away. I hope that comes through on the recording. So yes, yeah, so what have we got here then? Um, so again, we've got the lemon balm, lemon thyme, and lemon verbena. Um, some of these have had a, a cut already. Um, yeah. So, um, but you can see the same diversity of, of, of butterflies down yeah, here as great. we did up the top. So. That's, um, yeah. Really interesting. So you, because I should describe the scene because we're in a sort of very broad, shallow valley, uh, and surrounded by arable and grazing land which is fairly featureless. I don't mean to be unkind to it, but it's not that exciting in terms of its biodiversity. But here, it's probably working very hard for the rest of the countryside <laughs> around it, because it's sheer sort of numbers of insects. And Absolutely, it's just that, that, that transition between sort of that monoculture of grazing pasture or a monoculture of wheatle yeah. to something that is, uh, that is sort of diverse and- um, Flowering. And <laughs> flowering. Oh, this is, this is Black currant sage in flower, beautiful red, very sort of how do you describe this? Deeper magenta colour, I don't know. Yeah, hot pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sage but enhanced properly. Lovely. 
We've also got here um, the rose. Um, so this is a, a damask rose, um, which is used in the in, in the perfume. Damask rose, yeah. Okay. The, the old old rose variety. Particularly pungent rose, is it? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a whole row of these very traditional pink roses. Beautiful. Mm. I mean, they're absolutely all in flower at the moment. I was going to say that this um, just here in the, at the end of the. Something's um, been harvested. Yeah, yeah, we've just harvested the the lemon ty- uh, lemon verbena here, yeah. um, but um, just further down we we had uh, yellowhammer nesting within the vet lemon within verbena. Within there, so. okay, because they're ground nesting birds. That's oh, right. Oh, and over here, um, a sniff of these roses. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just that absolutely traditional English rose. So kind of fruity. Yeah. And so, uh, so rose petal again, really nice floral notes within gin. Yeah, you don't, you don't have a rose gin, but it's just one of the background flavours. Or, do, yeah, or you, do you have a rose? Uh, we have stra- strawberry and rose gin. Ah, okay. That's okay. Yeah. The grasses are just full of insects as I'm walking along. <laughs> there's stuff flying up. Yeah. Just kind of reminder that when you go for a walk and you don't see insects, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the the bed to your right hand side here is the. Uh, is the uh, dandelion beds? So, oh, right, okay. Um, we've been having to weed our dandelions, which um, weeding the dandelions, <laughs> which is a first. Fantastic. Lots of day flying moths. Yeah. Lace wings, one of great. Oh gosh, that great. is a beautiful thing with turquoise body and long as yeah, as lacy wings. It's just yeah, it's like a proper little safari along here. Your eyes are much better than mine at <laughs> picking these things out. Did you find yourself just sort of not able to go past a road? Yeah. Because there's so many interesting things to see. I do. I, I, I take a slow walk through here just to, uh, just to, just to identify whatever I can. Um, very, so very I'm pleasing to see. Oh, there's a, is that a meadow, meadow brown. Meadow brown. They kind of fly in a kind of lazy, slightly, yeah. Shrugging, <laughs> not exactly into flying. So uh, this area is actually just being cut um, for hay, um, but this is the area um, that we've, um, we've we're looking, uh, f- well, we're working with the Freshwater Habitats Trust to um, turn to wetland habitat. Oh, this is um, interesting. Okay. So these areas here um, are test pits. So we're looking at hydrology and water quality um, for amphibian conservation. Uh, so amphibians tend to like uh, very um, you know, good water quality, so low, low in nitrate and phosphate, which is actually a really scarce uh, habitat uh, in, in, in the agricultural landscape. Yes. And um, so, yeah, providing water bodies that, have, um, that don't have lots of fertiliser leached into them um, means that there'll be good breeding sites for protected amphibian species. Uh, so those little ponds that you've dug? Uh, yeah, so these are test pits. So um, we'll, once, uh, once we've concluded the sort of the, the background work, um, we'll be inverting the soil here. Uh, so we'll be making depressions to create ponds uh, for, for conservation and then inverting the soil so that the low nutrient um, soil is at the surface and this will be wildflower. Oh, so this is great. So we've oh, got how exciting. That must be fun for you to see. Yeah, really yeah. Good, so good and and this, this is about ten acres or so, isn't it? I don't know. What, uh, what yes, uh, yes. Um, just over two hectares. Yeah. So, um, uh, but this is just the start. You know. Yeah. So this is this is this is ground zero, and mm. and then we'll be looking to extend up the valley. Uh, different schemes um, to to look how we can um, manage so the farm. Is the river a great place, uh, and then. Other plants all the way down. What are the white flowers? That, that's, that's, um, that's your orchard. That's the elderflower. Elder yeah. Oh. yeah so How weird to see it uh, <laughs> kind of cultivated like that. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, what? and that's been a challenge. So, um, you know, elderflower particularly like, um, you know, sheltered corners of uh, woodland edge habitats or glades and hedgerows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting them in the middle sure. of a pasture is not exactly where they would naturally they want don't to want grow. To be there. Okay. Um, so it's taken a little bit of time to get them established and um, um, and learning about how you you know need to work with nature to understand the soil soil's condition and, and, and how where the plants like to live yeah. and recreate that that uh, environment. But this is the first year that we went in 2019. This is the first harvest year we've had off the uh, off the orchard. Johnny is in the grass looking for something. What, what was that? <laughs> it was a parasitic wasp. <laughs> <laughs>
and they lay their eggs. Well, what uh, on on um, on Saltry Bee uh, Hotel, uh, it's Saltry Bee uh, Larvae. Oh, really? Say. We um, so we've been putting up lots of Saltry Bee Hotels around the farm, and and what we're seeing is an increase in the parasitic. Uh, wow. wasps and there's an amazing uh, wasp called a ruby-tailed ruby wasp which is a BAP species, biodiversity action plan species and that's um, a beautiful little wasp um, and that uh, that relies on um, solitary bees and nesting to be able to lay. So all of these that lays its eggs inside the larva and then it eats it that, inside out. That's, that that's the, the one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always fan favourites, but they're beautiful. That's they're it. absolutely stunning, they're little yeah. jewels. Yeah. Um, so this isn't a kind of mighty river for fishing in. It's a, no, it's it's quite a little a... sort of ditch stream here. But I imagine in winter it's more. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, this is this is floodplain, so this will this will reach halfway up the elders in water. Really, you'll yeah. have you'll have water all the way up. So feast and famine, isn't it? With yeah. the so flood and drought. Again, it's that you know what what role can we play in terms of flood protection through the way that we manage the farm, yeah. um, through 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 tree planting activities and, and managing the riparian area, which is a, a key part of um, of this field. And now we're just walking beside the. I still can't get over it, an elder elder uh, elderflower plantation. Elder plantation. Yeah. With our elderflower gin, we will harvest. Um, yeah, a year's a year's um, forecast within three weeks, and what we have to do is um, basically shave the petals from the umbers because um, we only want the the flowers. Uh, we don't want any of the green stick. That has a different flavour, or different, yeah, dusty yeah. sort of. Yeah, it doesn't have the the flavours we want, and also it's full of chlorophyll, which will turn the gin green. So, wow. uh, so we painstakingly shave. Who does that? Just, uh, how do you do it? Myself and uh, and, and some colleagues, and uh, oh and goodness, we get some job. seasonal workers in to come and help us shave. It's quite therapeutic, yeah. to be honest. What do you use? What tool do you use? To uh, do pe- literally, a pair of scissors. And just cut the just, very tops off. Just shave those petals away oh. um, and then just rub off the last ones so if you're making elderflower cordial which we encourage a lot of our readers to do and listeners um, you, that's what you should do really. yeah highly don't, recommend don't stick the whole yeah re- yeah re- reduce the amount of stem uh, within within any uh, any recipe and you'll oh, end okay. up with a more floral tip. yeah probably much nicer because it can go over to sort of dogs bed. Cat, cat pee. Cat pee. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was trying to be polite, but you went for it. <laughs> Do you do anything with elderberries? Not yet. We've, we have tried. Um, and, um, but uh, yeah, as, as yet, we haven't um, incorporated them into our recipe uh, Interesting. Yet. Yeah, because that's a, the Englishman's grape is uh, what I've heard it called. And I have made some decent wine from elderberries in the past when I have a bit more time on my hands. But but, but really, really high uh, amounts of vitamin C. So um, some great winter recipes for um, uh, for, for your own tonics. homemade tonics. Yeah, yeah. Okay. keep the colds at bay using elderberry. Yeah, well, the Knights Templar would be very Knights Hospitaller would be very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're constantly looking for new flavours and developing new flavours. What's uh, what's coming up, or is it too hard? To say? <laughs> Top secret. No, <laughs> uh, we've. Um, uh, no, we've we, so um, one, well, there's a really exciting opportunity that's just arisen with our partners at the Beveridgeshire, Cambridgeshire, Northamptonshire Wildlife Trust. Um, they have um, an initiative in the in the Great Fens, um, looking at carbon farming and crops that um, do well uh, within wet environments, and um, they have. A crop of meadow sweet that they have. Uh, oh, gosh, that's have additional flavouring in sort of medieval brewing. Yeah, absolutely. But also, um, uh, there's a, there's a number of gin distilleries uh, that that use that in their core London dry recipes. Mm. We've not yet um, yet uh, used it, but um, it, you know it's growing here just by the the river. But also, you know, as a um, the wildlife trusts have got got this crop which they've they've offered us. So oh, I think well, we're exciting. Yeah, <laughs> try that. Um, and what's your favorite, before we wrap up? Oh, actually, I was going to say one more thing about. So you're calling it the gin of the countryside. You do you see that as a real USP in how to differentiate yourself from other, as well as the good that you're doing here, which is clear to see to me. 
you, you think that's going to cut through to people? Yeah, well, I think consumers expect, um, you know, businesses to be to be doing more, giving back. Mm. Um, and, you know, for us, you know, giving back and civic giving is, is a key part of our sustainability strategy. Um, it's it's a way that we can, we can um, you know, act as a force for good. So 1% of... Our business revenue goes towards delivering environmental solutions with our partners at the Wildlife Trust, and um, yeah, so you know, one giving one percent towards delivering, uh, and that's re- revenue, not profit, which is a much meatier kind of um, yeah, yeah. demand uh, on the business. But um, yeah, it it just seems right, and um, where we can be the gin of the countryside, we should be the gin for the countryside as well. So providing revenues to support not-for-profits to be able to help manage the countryside not just what we're doing here at the farm although you know guidance from from our partners is is really really useful in in making sure we're doing the right thing but actually where business can be supporting those not-for-profits you know that's if everybody could do that then you know oh we'd be in a great place we'd be in a great place we really would how exciting well i think that's you know it's a kind of good i hope that more people consumers can see that and see that's a value there's great comfort in eating and drinking things which sort of haven't harmed the, the world that we live in but um and what's your favorite gin though the most, oh it's got to be honeybee the uh, honey, of course yeah, yeah. i think i've tried that one oh well so. we'll, we'll go out to the bar and we'll, okay, uh, well <laughs> i hate to suggest these things <laughs> but yeah great with uh, a garnish of lemon thyme or or sage which works really well yeah, with the honeybee i think we're, I think we're, we're lacking in our garnishing in the wider don't garnish our gin and tonics properly. Well, you know, a lot of work has gone into sort of crafting a, a great gin and tonic. So do you need to garnish when all that work has gone into it? Yeah. Maybe not. But if you are, do we need to be importing it across the world and, and mm. slicing a fruit salad in our drinks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or can we be growing something which is perfect for pollinators, like rosemary is cracking with a, with a London dry gin, um, but also good early early flower for um, for pollinators so yeah. yeah have a go at growing growing your own herbs and using them to garnish lemon balm in a gin and tonic do you think uh, or, or lemon verbena uh, lemon verbena is cracking okay. uh, but um, rosemary mint lemon verbena and uh, and lemon thyme i think are, 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 are those ones for garnishing staples. or just experiment then? experiment so, experiment send in your thoughts to us at <laughs> don't be told don't be told how to drink your gin and tonic you oh, know, part, part of the fun is 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 growing your own and, experimentation and, freedom of expression well that was wonderful every company should have a conservation and sustainability officer johnny was just such a wonderful character to take me around this estate this farm and how he and the warner's brand are transforming what is just kind of normal dairy farmland into wonderful wildflower rich wild plant rich all these herbs and aromatic plants that they use in the gym making I was blown away and it really did remind me of my childhood of where there were sort of more butterflies and bees. It's it's like a, a very hopeful sign of the future. So a huge thank you to Johnny for showing me around and to Tom Warner and his staff for all the help. If you tuned in last week, you'll have heard all about how they make the gin there and the exciting flavours and all the alchemy that goes into making interesting gins. So all power to them. And you can find out much more about Warner's at their website, warnersdistillery.com. And talking about wonderful, aromatic, and <laughs> wonderful, uh, and, and delightful wildlife, I'd say we've got another plod chat. It's been a while, but back in the plod studio. Plod studio, does that work? With Jack and Hannah. Hello. Lovely to see you both again. Hello. Hello. It's been a while. Yes, how we're, are you? I'm, I'm good, yeah. I'm, I'm like, ra- ra- <laughs> can't speak, but I'm raring to go. Good. I'm going to ask you where you've both been, but I'm going to tell you because where I've been first. I'm going to get in first because I've just got back from two weeks in Anglesey where the seas are clean. There's no sewage in the water. Hey. I had a magic holiday and it's just a beautiful place. Certainly the, the coastline is utterly wonderful and mostly unspoiled. So I'm feeling like... I'm feeling a million dollars. It shows. As, yeah, so um, that was great. And I, I stayed in a place where there were chuffs everywhere. I, I wasn't expecting chuffs. And chuffs are these lovely crows with red curved beaks. And they're seaside crows, really. Crows of the seaside. And they were extremely rare. But on Anglesey, 
they are quite common now. I saw them every single day. They woke me up in the morning. Mm -hmm. They said goodnight to me in the evening. Uh, There were curlews. There was lots of sea life. I mean, you know, I've actually done some recording. So there will be some Anglesey podcasts later in the year. So I'm not going to give it all away now. How about you both? I haven't seen you for such a long time. You must have been out and about. Jack? It's been a, it's been a while. It's been, I think, interesting, I think last chat we were just sort of in the, the beginning start of like the heat wave. That's right, yes. Mega heat zone of uh, we had recently. Yes, our um, brains were fried. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's been weird because it ha- I don't think it's been really that much wetter since last time we spoke. I, don't, I think they might, we've had a few showers, uh, but nothing... Well, it rains in Anglesey, I can tell you. That. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely wet there. I think down at my home, I don't think it's been uh, probably as wet. But it, it, I, the thing I found really interesting I was going to speak about is it seems quite autumnal out there, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Because I think the trees have seemed to have dropped their sort of crispy leaves a lot earlier this year. They've given up. Because of the heat. Yeah. And it, it, it's like a really weird thing that it feels... I felt quite like, oh, it's starting to get wintry when we're still kind of... still pretty summery (laughs) it's like we've all arrived back at school haven't we today so we're a bit yeah the new term has started and trees are looking (laughs) there's lots of blackberries around this yeah Uh, this is what i wanted to talk about is that there's been so much fruit this year and so many um nuts and stuff everything's sort of ripened ahead of time slightly it's i mean it's amazing because everything feels so full but it is slightly concerning because it's not in line with what nature is expecting. So, like, squirrels are absolutely gorging themselves at the moment, but they should really be doing this at the end of September rather than the end of August. So I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen. So they might struggle in winter. Yeah. Okay. What are you finding? What sort of fruits and are you, are uh, All gathering? the blackberries in the world, um, yeah. gorged, stained, delighted. Yeah. Um, For listeners' benefit, Hannah's got those, like, bloodied finger, purple fingers. <laughs> <laughs> And purple tongue, like yes, uh, cheeks covered. <laughs> you should so, have washed before coming to work, but maybe you saw some stained, like, stained forever, yeah. indelibly marked. What do you do with your blackberries? Pick uh, them. Picks up. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Thank. Thank you. Crumbles. Crumbles. Um, yes. Yeah, we have a yeah a big Bramley apple tree, so we use the apples and the blackberries together to make crumbles. Absolutely Naturally. classic. Um, Sometimes we just stew them down together with a bit of sugar and have them with yogurt. Um, sometimes I make an upside down cake where you put all the blackberries at the bottom of the pan, then put the cake batter on the top, and mm, then cook it that way around, and one. then flip it over, and you've got this kind of beautiful, juicy, Lots blackberry of sugar, studded so top. Car- caramelly type. Yeah. Ooh, okay, I get exactly what you're talking about. That is a good idea. I've been picking tons, and I've you know, after a couple of crumbles, sort of. Mm, those six pounds of blackberries in the freezer. <laughs> what are we going to do with them? Yes. So that's a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm up for recipes. If anybody has some really really mm-hmm. great, well, keeping them in the freezer is such a good idea because when you get to January and you haven't had like delicious fruit or lovely things, getting them out of the freezer and giving them to yourself as a gift is just the nicest thing. Because oh, at the moment there's loads of stuff to delight in, like courgettes and beans mm. and stuff but that treat of blackberries in the freezer is something to look forward to in the depths of winter that's very hopeful and nice thing to think about i have some pond news regularly yeah it's been a while since i've had any pond news but the pond almost dried up during the heat wave which is sort of and the, the big the mega chub <laughs> that was living in there i don't think survived which oh. is interesting because suddenly there are loads of dragonflies laying eggs in the pond. Oh. And I wondered whether they could detect there was a predator in the pond, so they'd held off. Suddenly I'm seeing tons in the garden. It may be the time of year. But, um, yeah, the pond really, and I've never seen it so low. Uh, obviously some rain has filled it up in, in the meantime. A little bit of tap water in. But sadly I think the fish may have... It, well, there's a blessing there, really, because I could never catch <laughs> it. But I would love it. I wanted it to be a wild, wild, a wildlife pond, not a sort of pond with one big jaws-like fish that just eats everything. So fingers crossed. But I'll keep you posted in more pond yeah. news. You want to hear about the nymphs? <laughs> the nymphs and the elk. Uh, yes, the nymphs definitely. Well, I'll keep you. Yes, there's lots of efts in there. Yes, which is good. Baby newts. 
Uh, you've been home to Gower then? I have, yes. Yeah. That's where the blackberries came from. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the benefits of the pandemic has meant that working from home is more of a a thing that can happen. So I went home for a whole week and worked at home home with my parents. Yeah, yeah there's some blackberries picking yeah. and some quick emailing in the background. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was very good. Yeah, we know how these things work. very good. Um, <laughs> Yes, but it has, it sort of freed up so much more time to be able to enjoy that stuff. So I was really grateful for it. Oh, it is good. It is good. And long may it last. I think this sort of way of working where we can actually enjoy a bit of the countryside that we write about or talk about. Um, Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're looking sort of healthy and kind of bloomed by blossoming by what's, yeah. We're all brown and lovely. You'll have to take our word for it. Well, talking of blackberries and talking of what to do with blackberries, I have a little treat for our very last, this very last episode of our food and drink episode. Well, I call it a treat. Let's see. Oh, sure. no. <laughs> I've brought in um, something I did with blackberries a, a while ago. Blackberries and elderberries. I made wine. Now, this is back when I lived up on a hill. So it's quite a precious bottle of wine. It's the last of six bottles I made. And I'm going to share it with you both. Are we worthy? Well, you'll have to do. I'm going anyone else to. No. I feel, feel honoured at the moment. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm bigging this up. It's sitting in front of us with a homemade label. I've even put that plasticky bit around the top. Have a look, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's very sweet. What does it say? It says, made with heart, elder and blackberry, Feb 19. Date 2018. Yeah, picked in 2018. Oh, so it's, okay. the, it's a 2018 vintage, and but bottled in 2019 because you have to kind of ferment it for a while. Anyway, I'd love you to try this. It has travelled a bit today in the back of my on the train. <laughs> Didn't end well last time you said that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. It's not I'm, gonna be fizzy, is it? Well, I hope not. There is a weird little bit of bubbling on the top, which uh, might be secondary fermentation. So we could be drinking sparkling red wine, but um, who knows? This is the great joy of this. I don't know <laughs> what you're going to get. This bottle. could be the last pod no. chat you ever get. <laughs> the previous five bottles were great. We drank those quite quickly, uh, but this one I've kept. But it's time to drink it. I don't think we want to keep it for uh, many more years. I don't think it's going to improve like um, sort of Chateau Neuf de Pap or something like that. Anyway... I'm not just going to pour you a glass of wine from this. I'm going to I'm going to do a, 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 a sort of blind tasting. I'm so absolutely I've, terrified of this. You shouldn't be. Because what is, if I prefer the shop-bought one to your absolutely. like magnificent last bottle of wine? <laughs> It'll be something that we can laugh about when we're old. <laughs> At least oh this God. conversation will end really quickly. <laughs> no, no, we'll laugh. I brought you two, but you better and, prefer mine. I prefer a. Okay, that's the end of it. I, 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 make, I make no demands on this is purely an exercise this is a scientific oh exercise no 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 oh gods about it it's um so i'm going to open this bottle so that like the other bottle friendship. <laughs> friendship doesn't depend on this although the other bottle i to make it fair i went for the cheapest bottle i could find hey. uh, in my lunch break and it says it's a fruity red from northern Spain. Okay. But it doesn't def- say exactly where in northern Spain. Goes well with chicken, apparently. Goes well with Gentle chicken. Gentle strawberry and cherry flavours. Right. Okay. Well, we, that's, it says central Spain. Uh, central Spain. Okay. Yeah. So it's quite quite um, geographically. So I'm going to open. I'm not, not going to look. I don't want to get any hints. <laughs> no. Okay. What, what's going to happen is I'm going to open it in front of the microphone so you can genuinely hear the sound of the cork that I put in four years ago. And then I'm going to do a secret. You're going to turn your back, so I'm going to fill the glasses. Well, it smells okay. It doesn't smell like poison. At which point are we supposed to turn Right, away? turn your back. Turn away now. Turn away now. I'm going to just... What you can hear now is me mixing the bottles up. I'm going to open the, frankly disappointing, screw top of the, the shop of mine. Pouring a glass for myself just because someone needs to... Umpire this. That sounds Spanish. <laughs> Ole. Got a very different sound, haven't they? Two bottles. Right, I'm now going to hide the two bottles. So you've got B and A, the two samples. Have, you can turn back and have a look at them. So B and A. Uh, mm. So why don't you have a go with A first? 
Well, to begin with, I guess you can see that A is slightly thinner looking. Thinner, yeah, okay. And, and B is much more dense. Looks like it's got more body. Yes, but I don't know what that okay. means. Okay, well, no, that's good. I'd say the same. Uh, a looks paler. Yeah, definitely. I can see it's a bit like a blackcurrant. More red. Blackcurrant squash. It smells like wine, though. Yes. Have a, have a, little, have a little nose. I'm kind of excited, actually. What are the legs like? A bit achy from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't see any. There's not a lot of legs on this. There's a little bit, a little bit, a little smear on the glass. It smells like wine. We're not, uh, neither, none of us here are professional wine tasters apart from <laughs> Hannah. Can you tell? Apart from Hannah. He's, um... <laughs> He's got some good arms, this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so be interested to hear your thoughts. Hannah and Jack are drinking a... Okay. Yeah. Nothing more than okay. Doesn't punch you. <laughs> Sometimes it's quite really, light. Quite it's quite light. juicy. Punchy yeah. back of the throat flavour, but this seems to be quite. It's very drinkable. It's very drinkable. It's not like okay. tanniny or. It's quite hard. a light, quite yeah. a light, light, quite refreshing. Yeah. Nothing to whine about. <laughs> yeah. Grape expectations. Oh god. Okay, so. I'll do the next series by myself. This is B. Okay, this smells different. Quite dark. It's much darker, deeper colour. There's a bit more body to that. Mm. This is intriguing because it's. I think it's quite difficult to tell the difference. That one's got more tannins in it. I think it's yeah. more like. It's got that winey kind of. Mm. The taste you absolutely avoid when you're a child. Yeah, but it gets very more rich <laughs> as you get older. But you're still a child. So it's it's decision time. A or B is the homebrew. I think you made B. You might have made A. Do you want the answer? Are you ready? I did make B. Does it taste... And what do you think of it? I think it's... I, I'm going to give my opinion on it because I made it. I think it's... At, for a homemade wine, yes. it tastes really whiny. And yeah. Actually, it tastes more like wine than the other one. Ooh. It's That one smells more. I yeah. Think, the, that, you're talking about the homemade... Yeah, yeah. your one smells... Weirdly. Fruitier, sorry. but I. that's why I... I thought that might not have been yeah. yours because I thought they might have put some sort of like thing that makes it smell nicer than yeah. Well, I think to to be fair, I think I would have picked A if I hadn't known what it was because I was expecting it to be really thin. Mm. But it's got real. This is best. This is the best it's ever tasted. I, I think this B is, is better. The much nicer wine. Yeah. I, I'm really kind of pleased with how that's turned out. And I, I wish I'd made some every year. <laughs> there's still time this year. Yes, absolutely. And there's still quite a lot of the bottle left. It smells very slightly like cider. What, the, my, my yeah. one? I think it's the... app. That's Maybe it's just alcohol. But I think a lot of but these things... it smells like the glass. Yeah, that's I can't really get anything. Of A. Of A. I'm getting strawberries from A. From someone who knows nothing, I can smell... B is yours is fruit fruitier. Mm. Smell it smells fruitier. There we go. It can be you can make wineish wine <laughs> from hedgerow berries. Well, yeah, more winey than the grape wine. Yeah, admittedly, I didn't spend more than four pounds on the shop bought wine, but I think it's a fair a fair com comparison to go for a cheap a cheap wine. If you can beat a cheap wine with home homemade yeah. wine, that's the that's the sort of. I know a lot of winemakers can. Home, you know, hedgerow winemakers can make sort of quite tremendous things that taste mm. incredible. But I've got my track record of getting every single one of these wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so there we have it. That's uh, well, I, I, that's, I guess I'm getting it right in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're I'm getting, getting it right the wrong way. To, to be, I, I'm much happier with your answer. <laughs> yes, Hannah guessed it. But would you drink it? Are you a red wine person? Yes, I would drink it. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'm not like a huge drinker, but. Yeah, if I was given the choice, I would. Fantastic. Well, I will make some more. Maybe you guys can help me and we'll have a podcast. I would podcast. love that. Should, would you yes. like to make this my I movie? love a Demijohn. <laughs> so exciting. I have so many Demijohns. It's, uh, it, I want, yeah. I've made all sorts of strange wines over the years, but this this is, I think, sticking with elderberries and blackberries is, is the way forward. Very my, easy to make. Sorry. Um, my granddad made um, elderflower wine when I was little. And they used to all be, all the demijohns used to be um, behind the sofa in my grandparents' living room. 
And so when my brother and I were playing hide and seek, we'd hide behind the sofa and all the little like noises of everything fermenting is just like absolutely it is, a, it is a lovely sound, yeah, my grandfather made. He would tread his own grapes Amazing. with his sort of great, great <laughs> bunioned feet. That's <laughs> another flavour. Definitely, you, need, you get wine and cheese. But um, it was it was tremendous to watch those things bubbling away. And, and to sort of, I've recreated that now with the bubbling mm. of, of the alchemy of turning sugars into alcohol is quite amazing. Mm-hmm. And I've made some really terrible wines, and it's it's really nice when they come. <laughs> and the longer we talk, and the, the more we drink, it is, yeah. it's, it's well, I'm great. It's like a Petrus '82. No, um, so well, thank you very much for. Thank you for sharing your final part of, of wine with us. Part of my experiment, um, and that is the last episode of this season. What are we doing next? Well, we're not even having a week's break. We're going to have a little sort of happy interlude of a week or two and then we're going to jump straight in with some lovely nature stuff for the rest of the year we've got some lovely recordings what we wanted to do was because quite often in autumn we can feel a bit gloomy the nights are drawing in and summer it was what you were saying hannah about keeping blackberries in the freezer mm, and having that taste yes. these are blackberries in the freezer but in an audio uh, in, a, in an audio way, in an audio. audio We're bringing audio. you audio blackberries. Audible blackberries, <laughs> yeah. Little treats. Um, really some lovely stuff. We've got uh, lots of lovely adventures that we've captured over the summer from corncrakes in Scotland to wildflowers in Oxfordshire to, well, to my own adventures with chuffs and curlews in Anglesey and seals. So lots to look forward to. Lots of really mindful escapes to the wild outdoors that you love. So tune in for that. Thank you to Jack and Hannah, without whom this podcast wouldn't exist. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you soon.